The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hello, my name is uh, Ethan Naylor. I grew up in a Christian home and um, going to church and believing it was the right thing to do. And uh, we moved out to Shippensburg area and we started attending church there and also played sports. You know, I played football and my identity was in that and doing that. I had a girlfriend, you know what I mean? So, and whenever I loved, I loved hard and I fell hard, you know what I mean? So a lot of my identity was in that and I'm needing affirmation and love always from my girlfriend. You know, she thankfully decided to break it off and that kind of devastated me because so much of my identity and everything was in her. You know, I started smoking weed with my buddy and um, it was just, you know, something to do, something to pass the time. I almost didn't graduate high school because I was looking for love, you know, um, whether it be through girls um, at parties or, or the drugs and the alcohol. And at the time, I wasn't living at home. I was living on campus, and, you know, it's pretty much like I had all this freedom. And the only thing that I made was practice. I didn't make class. I didn't make anything else. So before uh, the school could kick me out my second semester, I withdrew moved back home and with my dad and I just started working so I was like I need to get my, my butt back in shape I need to get my you know myself back into school so that's what I did I started working out and you know I started going to church because I believed that that was the right thing to do and my my understanding of my relationship was with the Lord was do good get good I'm gonna really go for it you know and I had all these thoughts of you know God okay since I'm now I'm pursuing you again and I'm, I'm going back to church and I'm doing the right things you know you're gonna reward me with um, going back onto the, the football uh, team and I'm gonna do great you know it didn't work out that way you know I got my grades back up I got the opportunity got the shot but I didn't make the team um, but my identity was so much in that um, that, you know, I crumbled. Uh, I resorted back to my old ways, started partying even more. Um, the second time I went to the university, um, I was then kicked out. I was so empty, so unfulfilled, um, and just trying to search for something. It's, and I didn't know, I, I had no ability in myself to do better. I wanted to. Now, I feel like for, for years I lived with this condemnation day in and day out because I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I, I didn't I didn't know how to, you know, change. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? What defines you? If you were to finish the statement, how would you complete the simply the phrase, I am, and then fill in the blank? I am what? I am my position. I am that promotion I'm striving to get. I am my net worth. I am the car I drive, the house I live in, the clothes I wear. I am my education or the lack thereof. I am my dreams or my relationships. 
See, whenever we, whenever we start to look at how we define ourselves, we have to put something in that place. And very often we become hungry for what we're trying to use to put in that place. So I am hungry to get a job because I am my job. I am hungry to earn more because I am my net worth. I am hungry to get nicer clothes or a, a better house because that defines me. And so we live our lives desperate and hungry to get and to have and to get more and to have more, to accomplish more, to achieve more, to live our dreams because they define us. In essence, that is who I am. And what happens when it doesn't quite work out? What happens when all of our striving and all of our energy and all of our efforts don't get us where we most want to be? Or when we get there, they don't actually fill us. Meaning my hunger drives me to work hard to make the team or to begin to live the dream or to get that into that relationship and she says yes or I get the scholarship. But somewhere along the line, I begin to realize this isn't meeting my deepest needs. Who am I? And what happens when my hunger leaves me empty and dissatisfied? What happens when the plans that I'm striving for don't work out exactly as I envisioned? And so I'm going to bring you to a story in the life of the times of Jesus, Um, a, a pretty tough day in the life of Jesus. And Jesus had a couple tough days, so we could certainly relate and appreciate uh, what him and his friends are walking through. But they had just gotten news that John, who had been baptizing, had been put to death. And um, so Jesus wants to withdraw. He's been doing ministry. He's been working with people. And he, he withdraws by himself. And he tries to get away from the crowds. But the crowds follow him. And so story says that he crosses over to, to, the, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But the crowds continue to follow. He just wanted to withdraw to grieve. He wanted to get along with his friends to spend some time by himself with them. And uh, the crowds follow And that's where our story is going to pick up. It's written and recorded by uh, this guy, John, who is a friend and follower of Jesus, eventually becomes a leader of the church and sits down and writes out the life and teachings of Jesus. We have it in the Bible. It's called the gospel according to John. And so we're going to read John chapter 6 and starting in verse 2. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed. Listen to why they're following Jesus, because they had seen these unbelievable miracles he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. And the same story is recorded by Mark, and he kind of shares a little glimpse of what happens next. So we're going to jump over there. Mark chapter 6, verse 35. Uh, By this time, it was late in the day. So, you know, remember Jesus has been teaching. He's been healing the sick. He's been doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Then Then he gets news about John, and so he tries to get away. The crowd's follow him. It's late in the evening. Here we go. It is, by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. 
And uh, interesting, and Laura and I, we were just in Israel, and so we got to see how remote this place was, where they were, uh, right, off, right on the Sea of Galilee, and it is literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we had to drive a bus several miles just to get to this spot. We're like, yeah, no kidding. The people are out in the, in, you know, kind of on a country hillside, and, and the, so the disciples come up to Jesus, and they're like, hey, heads up. You kind of have to send them away because they have to have time to walk all the way back to their homes to get something for dinner and prepare for the, uh, the meal. Uh, there is a this is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And I really, I noticed, I had this thought as I was reading this passage. Um, it, it's like... Here they are, they recognize what they're hungry for. They recognize that the people are hungry. And check this out, this is what happens. They know the problem, but they don't know how to pray about it. They, they, they have the diagnosis, but they don't have a cure. Listen to this, they're, they're talking to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, who's right with them, and they go, you need to send them away. And I was thinking about this in our own lives. How many times are we right there with Jesus? We believe in Jesus. We, we follow Jesus. We trust Jesus. We just don't trust Jesus enough to respond to our current situation. And so their answer is, these people are hungry. You need to send them away. Send them away from Jesus. I just, I had that thought, so I'm kind of wrestling with this. Here we go, so let's keep going. Go back to John chapter six. Um, here we go, verse seven. Philip answered, so Jesus says, you give them something to eat. The answer is right here. We can meet these needs. We can respond to their hunger. Philip answered him, eight months wages, meaning if you work for three quarters of a year, it would not be enough bread for each one to even just have a bite, meaning no matter, I mean, if we worked, all of us worked for a long period of time, we wouldn't have enough to meet the hunger uh, in this crowd. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? And immediately as we're reading this story, here is a hungry crowd of people. And I, I feel like, you know, we could all relate to that. Because while we might not be hungry for lunch or for a dinner, we've all been in a place where we've been striving and hungry. We know that there is a hunger driving us. It drives us to work harder. It drives us to stay up late. It drives us to push through our education. We, every one of us have a hunger that drives us to accomplish, to achieve, to get more, to work hard, to do something that we're currently doing because whatever we're working toward is defining us. And the response to the crowd's hunger by the disciples is Jesus just send them away. And Jesus' response is, why don't you feed them? They say, man, if we worked our tails off, we would not make enough money in three quarters of a year to feed, give even a small bite to these people. And so one of them, though, brings this, you know, small loaves and fish, you know, just a regular, in this ancient time, this was just like a basic lunch. A few, a few pieces of bread, a few small little fish, and he says, here, Jesus, and, and the point and the principle that jumps off the pages, this is what I want you to take away, it, wherever you are at, 
however you're filling in the I am, I am my job, I am my career, I am what I'm, you know, what my, my dream. He, here's what I want you to take away from this story, and here's why it's in Scripture. This is why John included it, because he wanted every one of us, as we read this, to recognize this central principle that speaks to our lives, that we are challenged and called to trust God as our provider and our provision. Maybe take a moment and just write that down or type that into your smartphone or tablet. I'd encourage you to take notes today. If you're like me, it's so easy to hear these things, uh, hear these statements, and we feel it. We're like, man, that's right. But then we get busy and we move on with life. And you know, our instinct is going to be, we're going to fall right back into the rut of trying to define ourselves by what we're working for or striving for, driven by our hunger, come Monday. And, and I want this to kind of grab your attention and say, wait, before you go running right back down that road, before you get yourself caught in the rat race of trying to satisfy your hunger and fill in the I am statement with what you're doing or what you have or making your worth based on your net worth, let's pause and be challenged to say, I need to trust God as both my provider and my provision. You and I, we, we have a challenge the reason we're hungry, deeply hungry, is because the truth is there's nothing that can satisfy us. I mean, this is why you look at marriages in Hollywood. I mean, they have everything going for them. They have the money, they have the looks, they have the prestige, they have the fame, and their marriages fall apart. This is why people who are wealthy, I mean, I mean, richest people in the world, why are they always so unhappy? Because there is nothing you can fill, you can consume or use to satisfy your hunger. You and I are going to live our lives perpetually dissatisfied, perpetually empty. Why? Because there is a deeper brokenness inside of us. The reason we're broke is because we're broken. The reason we're empty is because there is nothing that can satisfy. The reason we can never be satisfied is this bro inner brokenness, this inner emptiness called sin. Sin has fundamentally fractured our, our soul so that no matter what you put in, it just drains out. We are never going to be satisfied. Sin is the internal drive that pushes us away from God and toward our own desires, toward our own instincts, toward believing that whatever we're doing can satisfy us. Sin is what makes us believe that our dreams, our desires, our, our own instinct will make us feel good and fill us. Our challenge is that sin cuts us off from relationship with God. And when we are cut off from a relationship with God, we spend all of our lives pursuing what we think is in our best interest, our drives, our desires. And all we're doing is consuming and filling, but it never satisfies. Sin, at its worst, not only corrupts us and corrupts others, but it cuts us off from a relationship with God so that we live forever I mean, our whole life we spend not only separated from God, but on a trajectory toward eternal judgment. That is why we feel empty. That is why we are never satisfied because when we are cut off from right relationship with God, there is nothing and no one that will ever fill us. And we spend the whole rest of our life looking for something or someone to satisfy. 
a job, a career. We work our, our hardest. We try to fulfill a dream, looking for something to fill the void that is left because sin cut us off from relationship with God. Now, let's go back to the story. Jesus says in verse 10, Jesus said, I have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. So Jesus performs this supernatural miracle. In fact, we're going to jump back to Mark chapter 6, verse 42, where he simply uh, says this. I have to find my spot here. Here we go. And they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And, and, and so immediately, you know, Jesus does this incredible miracle. They're all, they all ate and they were satisfied. But what, what's interesting is, so, so Jesus meets their physical hunger, right? They all eat, they get as much as they want, but listen to what immediately happens, right? They, they get this, in essence, they get a free lunch. Jesus meets their physical hunger, but check this out. We're going go to we're gonna jump over to verse 34. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. We want more. They're following Jesus for what they can get from him what he can do for them. Then Jesus declared, and this, this is the key right here. The, the whole sermon comes down to this one statement of Jesus. The, the principle I gave you, the challenge I gave you, where I said, trust God as both your provider and your provision. Here it is. This is the statement. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus, it's like he turns the whole thing upside down. They're following him because he did miracles. They're following him because of uh, the power he showed. They're following him for what they can get him to do for them. They're following him because then he feeds them, and he feeds thousands of them and gives them a free lunch. And they say, we want more of this. Constantly give us bread. And this is, it makes you think back to when the Jewish people were wandering in the wilderness back in the time of Moses, when for 40 years, Jesus provide, um, God provided manna from heaven, right? And so they're looking at Jesus saying, hey, maybe you can just make it rain bread all the time for us. Like just meet our every need. And Jesus goes like this. No, no, no. You're not just hungry for a free lunch. I am the bread of life. What you're hungry for can never be satisfied in food. What you're hungry for can only be met through me. I am your satisfaction. I am the one that fills and satisfies. So Jesus comes to be the bread of life. And then from this point, right, we know Jesus goes on and he gives his life on a cross. He takes the, the death sentence that we all deserve because of sin. He takes our punishment on himself. He takes what was separating us from God and he steps into the middle of that and he takes the punishment on himself so that when he dies, he dies once for all. He dies our death. 
He absorbs our sin, shame, and guilt on himself so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins, is given new life. Because when you believe in Jesus by faith, it's not just some prayer you pray. It's not just some mental assent. When you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit enters into your spirit and the deepest soul hunger is satisfied through Jesus being in us the bread of life. So when we take communion and we remember Jesus' broken body, the statement is this, Jesus is the bread that satisfies my deepest hunger. He is not only the one that satisfies, he is the only one that satisfies. I want you to hear what this sounds and looks like in everyday life. So would you listen to a little bit more of Ethan's story? I had an opportunity to move to, move to New York uh, and spend time um, with my mom. God really moved in my life and he revealed to me that he was my father, um, which changed everything. He gave me this opportunity to move out there and just to kind of, you know, isolate myself from what I had known in my early 20s. I had um, two DUIs on my record, so I had to move back. So after I got out of jail, I, I very much wanted to surrender to the Lord and I was doing better, but I started, I was still partying. I attended this church in Chambersburg and um, there is where I really met the Holy Ghost. Um, I remember uh, the first night of worship I went to, Pastor Patrick um, at that time was like, you know, is there anybody here that feels a call of God in their life? And, you know, if so, stand up. And I didn't stand and still felt that tug and that pull. And he's, he's like, I'm going to give you guys one more chance. Go ahead and raise your hand. And I still didn't raise my hand. At that time, you know, I kind of saw Pastor Jay nudging closer and closer to me, and I hadn't yet connected with him. We made eye contact, and I just lost it. And he's just like, bro, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, man, but I just want Jesus. <laughs> And that's who I am. And, and, and my pain doesn't write my story. Where I was, the, the places that I fail, doesn't write my story. Jesus is the author and finisher of my life. And he's been instilling new identity and new truth in me. And ever since I've been plugged in here at Lifehouse, um, God has just been taking me from strength to strength and glory to glory. And that's where my identity lies. It's not in anything else. It's not in what I can do for him. It's not in the miracles. It's not in the signs. It's not in the wonders. It's in the fact that I am God's child and that he is well pleased with me before I ever even did anything for him. He's already well pleased in me. And because of Jesus, I am filled and overflowing. As Ethan shared, I hope what you hear is this, that in every one of our lives, there is a hunger that drives us. And wherever we look in this life to satisfy that hunger, we're going to be left feeling empty until we discover Jesus as the bread of life. He is not only our provider, but he is our provision. And that, that takes two steps. And I've discovered it. And you see it really obvious in this story where first Jesus provides and then he challenges them that he is the provision. And so let, let's take that in two steps. I want to give it to you first this way. Trust that God provides. Maybe you could take a moment and write that down. I need to trust, you need to trust that God does provide. 
Your provision is God's priority. He knows your needs and is committed to your care. God has not abandoned you. He is not ignoring you. God knows your hunger. These crowds of people that had followed Jesus to hear his teaching and to pursue his miracles found themselves hungry on a hillside, far away from their needs being met. Jesus was very aware, but he wanted to teach them a life lesson. But he was aware of their need. And he was about to perform a miracle in order to meet their need. And I, I, want you to be, I want you to become aware that God knows your need and is committed to your care. Your provision is his priority. This isn't just a, I want to get rich idea. This is not some, you know, get rich scheme. This is an acknowledgement and an awareness that the God who created all of the universe is very aware of your personal life. He knows your needs. He knows what you're walking through. He knows your crisis, and he is attentive to what is your desperate hunger. He has not abandoned you. He has not rejected you. He knows where you're at. And so the first step is this, and I want, so I want to challenge you. So you're hearing this, and you're encouraged. I need to trust God as my provider. Okay, what do I do now that I trust God as my provider? When we trust God as our provider, we give thanks first. Faith means I give thanks before my need is met. Gratitude is giving thanks after my need is met. See, faith, gratitude, right? Faith says thank you before I have any idea how God is going to meet my need. And whether he chooses to meet my need or not, Simply by faith, I say, God, thank you. I trust you. Look at what Jesus does in this story. In John chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus, uh, they bring this uh, bread and fish to Jesus. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those uh, seated as much as they wanted. So these little pita pita bread, little, little tiny loaves of bread and some little baked fish. I, I had the privilege of having a baked fish right on the Sea of Galilee. And trust me, I mean, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but that fish did not fill me up. I was not satisfied with one little fish. And so here I, I was actually thinking of this story, knowing I was going to preach this. I was like, I mean, there was guys out there that were like eating multiple fish. They were like, nom, nom. you know, they were like chowing down. But here's what's interesting. Jesus gets handed these few loaves, few fish. He pauses before anybody knows what's going to happen. He simply pauses and gives thanks to God. This isn't enough to meet our needs. When was the last time you gave thanks for a paycheck that wasn't enough? When was the last time you gave thanks for your lack of provision? When was the last time you paused and simply expressed faith in gratitude to God for what he's already done in your life, regardless of whether you feel like it's enough for your future? God has put breath in your lungs. He's given you life today. He has met your needs to this point. And when was the last time we just simply paused and gave thanks for what isn't enough in the future, trusting that God has met my needs up to this point and he will continue to meet my needs and satisfy my hunger. Because I trust God as my provider, I am willing to give thanks first before my miracle comes. 
I'm willing to give thanks whether I experience a miracle or not in my current crisis because I trust God by faith. I trust that he not only is committed to my care, but that he knows what's best and knows how best to meet my needs. Remember, the goal is not the free lunch. So we're driving to the goal, but before we get there along the way, God will show up and show off in our lives by showing us that he is our provider, by showing us that he is capable of meeting every one of our needs. And, and so as we, once we give thanks, then we notice the next step. And it's this, when we trust God as our provider, we experience the miraculous. That's right. I, I fundamentally believe that when we begin to trust God and walk by faith, we begin to see God provide in supernatural, unexplainable, and unpredictable ways. We experience God in the miraculous. You know what our challenge is? We don't notice because we're not looking for the fingerprints of God. We're not looking for the fingerprints of God in our provision because we're not trusting him by faith to meet our needs. Our instinct is to meet our own needs. We take matters into our own hands. We try to figure out how we're going to solve the problem. And I am all for hard work. I am all for diligence. I am all for putting your best foot forward and, and, and striving and, and, and laboring and getting things done. But at some point, if I'm going to trust God as my provider, I have to pause and begin to experience God's miraculous provision by trusting that he not only provides, but then begin to look for it in the supernatural and unpredictable and unexplainable ways. When was the last time you actually paused to notice whether God is providing for you? When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 days as Moses led them through the wilderness, one of the ways God provided is simply that the, the sole of their feet, the soles of their feet on their shoes, their sandals, it didn't wear out. When was the last time you noticed that because your tires didn't pop, God was providing for you? Your car hasn't broken down. I mean, it, sometimes they do break down, right? But maybe it hasn't broken down yet and God's providing for you. Maybe that very thing that is frustrating you, maybe that's God's provision. It's a supernatural, miraculous provision. Would you stop scorning the unpredictable ways God is meeting your needs? You and I need to start paying attention to the fingerprints of the miraculous provision of God. He is meeting our needs all around us, and sometimes we don't even bother noticing because we're not trusting him. We're not asking, God, would you meet my need? God, would you take care of this situation? And so I want to challenge you that when we trust God for our, uh, to be our provider, we do have to pause and we have to look around for God's miraculous provision. Would you start praying for God's miraculous provision? Would you start trusting God for his miraculous provision? And then you and I need to begin to notice his supernatural, unexplainable, and unpredictable provision. We're going to look in verse 12 through 13. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets of pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the key here is simply that, you know, he provides more than enough. And then we keep reading. After the people, th this is the critical part. And I want to transition here. Because right now I've been talking about God meeting our needs. Him being our provider. 
But then listen to what happens next. After the people saw the miraculous signs that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Here was their response. Jesus gives them a free lunch, a, fr a free lunch, and they immediately go, that's the kind of king we want. We want him to rain down manna from heaven and meet our needs. See, they immediately made it about them. Jesus can meet my need. Let's make him king. And I think that many of us, we are willing to allow God to be king of our lives so long as he keeps meeting our need and keeps providing a free lunch. But that is not the point of the message. The point of the miracle is the message that God not only is our provider, but that we need to trust him as our provision. Now we just made a significant step. God will meet your needs so that he can get your attention because he wants to be the one that fills your life. He doesn't just want to be provider. He wants to be the provision in our lives. He doesn't want us to use him to get something. He wants us to be the, he wants him to be the something we are pursuing. Listen again in verse 34 and 35. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But, but listen to their response. Here they're ready to make him king because he provides bread, and then he says, but I am the bread of life, and this is their response in verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble um, about them, about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. What an incredible thought. But here is the critical part that I want to make sure that none of us miss. Jesus is not only your supplier, he wants to be the supply. He not only wants to be your source, he wants to be your satisfaction. And too many of us come to Jesus to get bread, but we are left hungry because we never experienced Jesus as the bread of life. See, the miracle happens when our I am, I am empty, I am broke, I am hurting, I am hungry, intersects with Jesus, I am. When I say I am hungry, Jesus says I am the bread of life. When I say I am desperate, he says I am more than enough. When I look at Jesus and I say I am inadequate, he says I am more than adequate. Jesus can overwhelm the hunger and the thirst and what you most desire and long for when you see him as your bread of life. When we begin to find our satisfaction in Jesus, our life is transformed. We no longer pursue Jesus to get a free lunch. We discover that he is the lunch. Next time you take communion, that's what I want running through your mind. This, when we break the bread and we drink the cup, what we're reminded of is that he is more than enough. No matter whether I am hungry or thirsty, if I have a great job or I am jobless, if I have a home or I'm homeless, if I have a career or I am out of a career, if I, if I, am, if I have a great education or I lack education, my definition is not found in the stuff of earth. My, my definition is found in the one who came and said, I am the bread of life. 
And when you discover Jesus as the bread of life, here is the final step that happens in us. When we trust God as our provision, we offer a senseless sacrifice. Listen to that little boy. And then the disciples come to him, right? Verse 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? When I know that God is both my provider and my provision, that my provision is his priority, and that he is not only the supplier, he is the supply. Then I'm willing to say, God, I'm yours. Everything I am is from you. My hunger is satisfied in you. Whatever you want from me, I am yours. And we're willing to offer a senseless sacrifice. I mean, sometimes in our lives, all God wants is a crazy, radical, senseless step of obedience. It's just take a step of faith. Trust God and be willing to say, God, I'll give you it even if it makes no sense. I mean, this $20 isn't going to pay my mortgage. But you want it? It's yours, God. It's a senseless sacrifice. Some of you, what is holding you back from experiencing God as your provider and your provision is you're holding on to what isn't even enough to satisfy you anyway. And it's robbing you from the miracle provision of God and discovering God as your provision. So would you be willing to take that crazy step into the world of senseless sacrifices, offering God your obedience, offering God your generosity, offering God simple acts of service, saying, God, I trust you and I'm gonna obey you because you are not only my provider, you are my provision. Now I want you to pause. I hope that right now, as I've been speaking, you've been able to identify that area of hunger. Hunger that's driving you to pursue. Hunger that's driving you, but leaving you dissatisfied. And in that specific area, I want you to know, God wants to be your satisfaction. He is more than enough. And so your first step is, you have never made a decision to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never allowed Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins and welcome his spirit into your spirit. Then your moment is this. Would you pause and pray? Allow him to forgive you of your sins. Allow his spirit to enter into your spirit and be in you the bread of life. For others of you, that hunger has driven you, leaving you dissatisfied. But today is your moment to pause and rediscover God and trust him as your provider and your provision. And I believe the spirit of God is present to speak to you right now. And if you would simply pause and pray, God would meet you right where you're at and you would discover that not only does he love you, but he is more than enough for you. Would you take a moment? Would you pray? Would you make a commitment right now to trust God to be your provider? Would you make a commitment right now to trust God as your provision? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.